Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to this uh, week's episode of I Love Rock and Roll. And uh, I'm your host, Kieran Turner. Wait a minute. I'm your host, Kieran Turner? I, see, uh, everybody's wished that people have been writing in saying, Kieran, I wish that you would take the show over from those two scrubs, Ken and Ship. And you know what? It, it's happened. Um, but just to make everybody feel a little bit more comfortable with that transition, uh, I have as my guests today, uh, Ken Cranston, Ship Chantry. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for having us uh, here. And I have to say that of those of those letters that you received, half of them were from me. Oh, <laughs> can I yeah. tell you uh, how I was just about to make the exact same joke? I was I was just about to open my mouth and be like, Chip wrote most of those letters. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote this, the rap. This is like a Black Mirror episode, Kieran, where it's like you have just like it, we're like the Dread Pirate Roberts that it, we're just like may, you have just become the podcast host now. We just fade off into the background. <laughs> Here you and, go. Oh, yeah. and your voice just fades enough to no yeah. the reason why i am hosting uh this episode is because we are talking about the goddess the saint the uh, the most ethereal beautiful lovely wonderful singer and recently departed miss olivia newton john and uh ken and chip didn't realize that what they actually had uh under their noses was the biggest olivia newton john fan in the world uh and that's me uh so they very graciously asked for me to uh to take the wheel on this one and i am super grateful and no i am not taking over the show um so <laughs> we you, uh, you know it's funny when uh when chip and i were were trying to figure out who to get as a guest and then we were like oh we should ask kieran not knowing that you were like this uh olivia newton john expert and then um so i sent out a group text and we immediately got back a fuck yes in all caps. <laughs> and then like a two page email of talking points that you wanted to go over. And we were like, I, I can't think of a guest that's ever been more excited to uh, cover a topic. So then today we were just like, we should just like hear and. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I, you know, since since she died, I had to to boost up my my uh, my Wi-Fi because it's just been burning up. It's like every queen that I know has just been coming to me, wailing, you know, saying the rosary, dressed in black. I mean, this is our Judy Garland, it, mm -hmm. you know, minus the pills and the booze and the dying on the toilet. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, now, who is, is? Can I can I ask is. Who yeah. else would you put up there with Judy Garland? And then so so Olivia Newton-John sort of takes the torch. Uh, is, who who else kind of uh, lives in that world? Do you think that? I mean, I think probably um, Madonna for mm -hmm. sort of like, and it's weird. It's not. It's I guess it's generational sort of. I mean, Madonna was coming up right as Olivia was starting to go down. I mean. Olivia and Madonna kind of like, like Olivia had her, her um, last huge hit. I mean, she had a few hits after that, but her last huge hit the year that Madonna kind of, you know, broke open uh, with yeah. her first album. Um, so definitely Madonna. And then probably, I don't, God, I don't know why Britney. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. 
don't ask me. Um, yeah. I've never understood it. I don't, I, you know, whatever. Um, and then after that, you know what, I'm kind of out. Um, I don't listen to, to today's music that much. So whoever it is, you know, I don't know, Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish. I don't know. Um, I don't think we have one. Um, maybe yeah. Lizzo. I don't, I don't know. It's too, too soon to tell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I think for, for my generation, um, Olivia is, is that, singer that we all grew up with but the thing about and i mean i'm too young to speak about about judy garland i only know stuff from you know from history and such um but but, you know the thing about olivia is that she really transcends and you know not only does she have that huge audience of, of gay followers, but she's got a huge audience of, of, of straight men and straight women who love her. And not only that, it's that because of Greece, because you've got this movie that generations and generations and generations keep rediscovering, I feel like um, she's going to endure more and longer than any of those other uh, singers that are, are kind of up there both before and after her. Mm-hmm. Um, Greece is never going away. No, no, yeah, no. it's, it's fine. And I, that's how I definitely, I mean, I knew physical yeah. and I know obviously of Olivia and John, but like Greece yeah. is that, I think that's worse. That yeah. That's what I was going to ask. So many how did you both kind of discover Olivia or when was the first time that you guys were ever made aware of her? I, I'll say that I definitely like, I mean, I knew of Greece and we watched or we had Greece on VHS and it was it was watched many times at our house when I was a kid. So I definitely knew that. But then even before that, like I was very young when physical was out and that was just a big like I just that was always on the radio. And then my mom definitely played a lot of the Grease soundtrack and I guess some of the stuff from Xanadu and. Uh, you know, there's, there's a couple other things that I'm definitely, you know, hopelessly devoted. That's obviously part of Greece, but like that was just on the rotation constantly. Yeah. Yeah. You can. For me, it was it was physical because uh, that video came out. I don't know if that was like 81 or 82, but I, I must have been five or six. And I just remember that video being everywhere. And then all of the sudden, because I grew up in the suburbs, aerobics was the biggest thing. Like my mom started teaching aerobics and I'm pretty sure it was just because of that video. Did she get her hair? Did she get the Olivia? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. (laughs) And and, um, it's funny, though, because like you were just saying before, like she's got this legion of uh, straight male fans. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I was even aware. Like Chip and I were saying, I guess because we were so young when she was at her at her peak that um, I didn't even realize that she had this like massive, I, like I knew physical was a huge hit. I didn't know that she had like 15 or 20 albums. I didn't know that she had this whole career. Like I thought that she was an actress who would sing on a lot of her own soundtracks oh, and, and maybe put out a couple albums. And then I'm doing the research and I see that she sold a hundred million albums. And yeah, I was like, I yeah. didn't even know. And and to me, I, I didn't think straight guys paid any attention to it. I like I always thought she was cute, but not super sexy. And I yeah. don't think she was hot. 
And then my brother, when I told my brother we were doing an episode on her, he was like, oh, man, me and my friends were so in love with her. It was like yeah. every dude yeah. he knew was in love with her. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I really, she was for a while, America's sweetheart, you know, and then she kind of, you know, she did the bad girl thing, but didn't do any of the behavior, you know what I mean? Right. It, was, it was just an image, but you knew that, you know, she was still just as lovely and just as sweet. And when I keep saying, you know, how sweet she was, it's, it's, it wasn't a, a persona. She just was, I mean, the, and the one thing that you can say about Olivia, that is really hard to say about anybody else in Hollywood or very many people in Hollywood is just how universally loved she was by her peers, by her colleagues. Um, you never heard anybody say a bad word about her. Um, and, you know, you look at all of the tributes that came out after she died and, um, you know, usually those kinds of things, it's always, you know, oh, we, we've lost this light. I mean, not not to not to like harsh on Anne Heche or anything, but, you know, Anne Heche just recently died, too. And people mm -hmm. were kind of, you know, coming out and doing the same thing. But it kind of felt like a little, you know, hollow and weird or like they like almost making excuses for her. But with Olivia, it was. I, you know, I never work with, with anybody who's so amazing and so sweet and so lovely. And, you know, when you, you know, I'm, I'm definitely somebody who's been a fan since I was a kid. So I can tell you that I can remember that she always had that reputation and it was not unearned. You know, she wasn't like this raging bitch of a woman, you know, behind the scenes, like going, you know, get me this and get me that and fire him and, and what have you know, she, you know, she was just, she just was who she was now, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to her daughter later on who, you know, <laughs> yeah. Who I just yeah. learned about today, basically. Yeah, same, is, same with a, me. That's a story. Same with me. Yeah. Be female Damien. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so I, I first sort of discovered Olivia, I guess I was in nursery school. Um, and, you know, my mom uh, worked, uh, she commuted and put me in a daycare center. And we used to, I used to get up really early with her in the morning and we used to drive to where her job was and she'd drop me off in the morning and we would listen to music. And I grew up listening to country music. Um, so I, the first music that I remember hearing was Olivia's country stuff like let me be there and if you love me let me know and 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 songs like that and so i it really olivia was the 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 first um singer that i remember really loving and and i would say that among my records Hers were some of the first. I, I was thinking, like, what was my first album? And I, I don't remember what Olivia Newton-John album it was. It might have been a greatest hits one. But I remember that when I was a little kid, I used to like to feel grown up. And I would sit with my mom and we'd have tea, like hot tea. And one night she had all the ladies over and they were all sitting around the table. And I was invited to join. And I was sitting in my shorty pajamas and I had a hot cup of tea in front of me. And my mother put a box of donuts down 
And all the old fat hens went crazy. All the old Italian <laughs> women. And my aunt dove her arm in there to grab a donut before the box even went down on the table and knocked the scalding hot cup of tea onto my leg and uh -huh. caught second degree burns. Um, and my mother made such a big fuss out of it, blaming me and like picked me up and bowled me into the bathroom to, you know, to, to clean me off and to, to make me feel better. She was like, what do you want? What can I get you? And I was like, well, I'd like these. And it was, you know, Olivia Newton-John album. So of course, <laughs> Olivia Newton-John is of course, the first risk reward. Um, Worth and, the and burns. Vibe. Absolutely. So yeah, so so Olivia and I go very uh, way back. So let's get into a little bit of Olivia. So Olivia was born in uh, 1948 in England. Uh, she is Welsh and German, which sounds strange because everybody thinks that she is Australian, mm -hmm. but she is not. Um, However, uh, when she was six, uh, her parents emigrated to Australia with her and her two siblings. Um, and so she's kind of a bit of everything. And even though she's not biologically Australian, she is definitely considered uh, from down under. Uh, her grandfather was uh, Max Born, who was a Nobel Prize winning physicist. Um, and I kind of love that you can go from um, a Nobel Prize winning physicist to Xanadu. <laughs> you know? that, that, I, I bet you I bet you anything Max Born could not roller skate. No, no, <laughs> <Could> not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Olivia's although uh, he did have in the 40s, he did have a hit album. Let's get physics. So, all right. <laughs> Let's get metaphysical. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, uh, Olivia had a sister named Rona, Rona Newton-John, who kind of looked a lot like her and also would double for her sometimes uh, in film. Uh, interesting. Didn't she, did she marry? Didn't she marry yes. some? Uh, what's his name? Yeah. She married Jeff Conaway, who played Kanicki in yeah. Greece, uh, and later divorced. Um, Nothing bad ever happened to that guy, right? Yeah, right. Well, um, <laughs> you know, I should say, I, I should say uh, Jeff Conway of Greece and every uh, drug celebrity um, rehab. reality yeah. show. Exactly. Um, poor guy. Um, so Olivia started her singing career uh, in Australia. She partnered up with another singer named Pat Carroll um, and not the Pat Carroll, who was the voice of Ursula from The Little Mermaid. That would have been a little strange. Um, but Pat Carroll, who later married John Farrar, who we will talk about in a little bit. Um, but Olivia's first claim to fame, and I don't know if you guys took a look at the link at all that I sent you. If you didn't, I totally understand. Olivia's first big burst into what was supposed to be stardom was a movie called Tomorrow. And Tomorrow, right? Yes, T-O-O, -O, um, where she played the lead singer of this happy hippie band um, who were also uh, college students. And the music that they made was so wonderful and so joyous that it caught the attention of these space aliens. Um, and the space aliens came down to Earth to capture Tomorrow, the yeah. band, 
because the sound waves that their music uh, was producing was the only thing that would save their dying planet. It yeah. sounds horrible, right? It, yeah, I, I did. I watched a little of it and it's uh, it is pretty bad. But yeah. it was also, I think, the fella who created the monkeys. Uh, was it Don Don, Don Kirshner? Don Kirshner. Don nice. Kirshner put this movie together, trying to find. It was going to be like a series of movies. It was going to be like a franchise, and he wanted to put together a movie version of the monkeys. Yeah, and this was his attempt. And by the well, way, I should say it's it is uh, the entire thing is available on YouTube. And this is like definitely one of those movies that I will fall asleep to some night. Like it's just a comfort movie of it's it just looks amazing uh, for, for that. Unbelievable. Um, so tomorrow had its big premiere in the UK. It was you know, it hadn't opened yet. This was like the the, the premiere. The movie was so poorly received that it was pulled and never seen again. It never got a release oh. and it laid buried for 30 years. Really? 30 years later, I'm in Los Angeles visiting for the summer and I'm with one of my best friends and I'm looking through the paper and I'm seeing the American Cinematheque, which is this uh, movie series thing that they do out here at the Egyptian theater. And I see Tomorrow is playing. And I'm like, I don't know what this is going to be. I don't know if we're going to like it, but this movie has never been shown. We have to go. We're going. And my friend. But, you, but you were aware of it, though. You were yeah, I, I had heard of it, but had yeah. never seen it just because I'm such a huge Olivia fan. Um, and uh, so we went. It was a Saturday afternoon. There was hardly anybody there. Um, maybe the, the place was less than half filled. So the movie starts and. We love it. I mean, it is a stupid movie, but it's a lot of fun. The songs are super catchy. Um, you know, this is the kind of thing where they have guests all the time and they have somebody to come out to introduce the movie and talk about it, blah, blah, blah. So the movie is over. The lights come up. The guy, uh, the, the guy, the, the programmer comes out and he's like talking a little bit about the movie and, and talking about it. And then he does this introduction thing, which is sort of like a, a parody of the introduction of somebody in the movie. And all of a sudden the spotlight goes on me. And I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? And he's like, I'd like to introduce you to the most wonderful blah, blah, blah. Turns out it's Olivia Newton-John. No. She's sitting in back of me, right in back oh. of me the entire time watching the movie. I stood up, I turned around, I swear to God, I queened out like you would not <laughs> believe. It's absolutely going crazy. And Olivia Newton-John came down and did this whole Q&A. She was like, I haven't seen the movie in 30 years. I read about it in the paper and I thought I'd come and see it. Oh, and that's so cool. Did this like oh my God. about it. It was wonderful. Anyway, they showed it again a couple of years later. There's only one existing print and the BFI owns it. Um, 
I had tried for over two years to try and figure out who actually owned the copyright because I was uh, I was had a friend who was working for a DVD label at the time, and I had put together this whole thing that we were going to try and do a DVD release of it. And I had actually gotten the director, and I had spoken to Olivia Newton John's representatives, and they all wanted to come and do a, a commentary and everything, but they could never figure out like who actually owned the copyright and they were very sort of reticent to to uh to take it on anyway that's my my big tomorrow story was wow. part, oh, was part of you like i got better seats than olivia newton john <laughs> <laughs> not saying she's falling on hard times but oh God, i couldn't believe she was sitting in back of me and i was like boy thank god i liked this because when i don't oh, like yeah, could you imagine if you're shitting on it Oh, oh yeah. my God. Yes. I was like, oh my God. Can you imagine if I kept like going to, to my friend, Jerry, I was like, oh man, this movie really sucks and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But no, I mean, we were loving it anyway. So tomorrow was sort of dead and buried. And there was a big push to move Olivia to the U S and start her as this, you know, this, uh, I guess kind of a country singer. Um, you know, her first U.S. single was a cover. It was a cover of a Bob Dylan song, If Not For You. Um, and most of the songs on her first couple of albums were covers and they were geared towards the country uh, charts. Um, and she did very well on the country charts. She did OK, If Not For You, I think it was a top 20 hit in the pop chart. Um, but um it was very much seen that she was going to be a country artist, uh, which didn't really sit well uh, with the uh, with the country music. I guess the the, the men with Nashville. Yeah. yeah, with Nashville. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, she recorded all different kinds of, of cover songs. I mean, really like crappy ones, I guess people did that back in the seventies, you know, you had like, you, if you had a good song, like five different people would cover it and then they would, um, they would all release them as singles and then, you know, they would battle to the death. Yeah. And then with, <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, of, uh, but you know, you would have different versions of a song. Um, service to different kinds, different genres. So you might have like Delta Dawn. I remember uh, reading about <laughs> Helen Reddy had the number one song um, on the pop chart with it. But Tanya Tucker had the number one country song yeah. with her own version. So I think Olivia kind of got caught up in that. Anyway, Olivia um, had some success. And uh, but then like her next couple of albums kind of like that didn't really do well. Uh, nobody really was interested in any more covers. Um, and that's when she gets together with uh, Pat Carroll's husband, John Farrar, who wrote and produced the bulk of Olivia's hits from, say, 1973 to 1980. Okay. Um, yeah. I looked, I, you know, I looked John up because it was the name that was always so synonymous with Olivia. Um, and it's very strange. He did no other work for anyone else. Really? He was a really good songwriter. And you would think that people would be like, write for yeah, me, John, he, write for me. You think Come in and work with me. Yeah. Did he have anything? I don't want to get the cart before the horse, but did no, he have no. anything to do with the songs on Greece? Yes, he did. He wrote like up. He wrote a bunch of Olivia. He wrote Hopelessly Devoted to You. He wrote 
Um, I think he wrote, I don't want to say he wrote all of the original stuff because, you know, that was based yeah. on a stage musical. Sure. They wrote a few songs. He didn't write Grease. Barry Gibb did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I believe he wrote, he wrote the two singles. He, I don't know if he wrote Summer Nights. I can't remember if Summer Nights was actually in the show or not, because nowadays when you see Grease on stage, they incorporate all fucking songs in there. And it's, it's, it's just, it's a totally different show. You know, it's all cleaned up. You know, the original show was was very body. Yeah. He, um, by, the, by the way, he wrote. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Hopelessly devoted to you. You're the one that I want. And I think and, I think. Oh, both and look of those. Look at me. I'm Sandra one. D. The reprise. The reprise. I don't know. What, yeah. What'd you say? Ken? I'm sorry. I think both those songs went to number one. I know you're the one I want went to number one. Yeah. I hopelessly think, devoted went to number three was okay. nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Um, yeah, you think you this know, dude would but, be in demand. You think that he would Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And then he wrote he wrote half of the songs in Xanadu. You know, yeah. the, the the Xanadu album, which you know we'll we'll definitely talk about Xanadu, but the Xanadu album was the first half was Olivia, the second half was ELO, ELO. and Jeff Lynn wrote all of the ELO songs, including Xanadu, which was a Olivia ELO duet kind of. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I don't get it. Um, so anyway, um, so her first couple of hits uh, were monster. They were um, Let Me Be There and If You Love Me, Let Me Know. Uh, Olivia won uh, the Country Music uh, Grammy Award for Vocalist and the uh, Academy of Country Music Award for Best uh, New Female Singer. Uh, and that's super pissed off. Uh, Nashville. Well, let, let's let's talk about uh, people that she beat out uh, yes. for. She beat out. She was nominated alongside um, uh, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, and mm-hmm. Ann Murray. And oh, Ann Murray. Yeah, I. But people, you know, I mean, that people knew who she was. She was Canadian yeah. too. People didn't seem to mind yeah. her being. I know that, that's what. I, that's why. That's why I said fuck Ann yeah. Murray because it's like Ann Murray came from Canada and was you know barely country at that point. She got a little more country, you know, later on. Um, but um, but no, I, I think I think people weren't upset about Ann Murray because she looked like a truck driver. And, <laughs> you know, the thing about Lydia was that she was everybody thought she was a bimbo because she was pretty. And then everybody thought, oh, well, you know, she must have she must have slept her way into the country music academy. Have you ever seen those people? You sleep your way out of the country. Because they they said I was reading that um, people were so angry that she won. Like, who is this Australian to come in and 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 she? I don't think she ever even. I don't think it was by design that I think country just sort of picked up on her. Yeah. So yeah. It was, she wasn't like trying to pass herself off as this country artist, but uh, they actually got so angry at her win that they formed another like award show like they were like we're we're gonna we're gonna form our own people have real uh strong reactions yeah yeah absolutely and i think i think johnny paycheck was the was the person who was the singer who was sort of at the forefront of that i want to say charlie daniels as well but don't quote me on that it might have been charlie daniels or it might have been oh what's the guy that sang Charlie Rich. That's who I'm thinking. Yeah, Charlie Rich. Yeah. 
Sorry, Charlie Rich. Um, sorry, Charlie Daniels. Although I think he's dead. I'm, I'm um, but like, imagine, imagine being somebody like Olivia Newton-John and being like, "Look, the country music establishment is really upset with you." And like, you know, some of the luminaries of country yeah. music history. And she's like, "Oh, like who?" And they're like, "Johnny Paycheck." Like they have to say that with a straight face. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, by the way, John Paycheck yeah. is on the phone, and he's yeah. uh, he's very upset with well, you. Uh, you could, Jonathan Paycheck. Could, oh, Jonathan, Jonathan Paycheck. It's a it's a Hungarian last name. Yeah. <laughs> you you know what I love though that what I I don't know if you were about to mention this, Kieran. If you do, I apologize. But I love that her response to all of this. Yeah. Is to go to Nashville to record her America, like her first album that she's recording in America. Yeah. And apparently she goes to Nashville, she goes right into the hornet's nest and charms the shit out of the entire town. And they're oh, yeah. all, they all fall in love with her and the claimer is one of their own and there's no controversy after that. Absolutely. You know, and that's just the thing about her is that, you know, she did. She you, you I you know, and I, I don't want to keep making it sound like I knew her or anything. But, you know, the 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 story about her is just that that's how genuine she was. You couldn't help but love her. Um, and she, she did. She went, you know, into into Nashville and she made friends. And, you know, and I think that that's evident if she made fans everywhere she went Um so much so with the country uh, artists and the country fan base that even up to Totally Hot, which was her album that came out after Grease and was a total rock album or as much rock as yeah. Olivia could really get to, also charted very high on the country chart. Yes, you know, I was listening and there's nothing country about it. it it's, nothing at all. Nothing at all. It's yeah. 80s synthesis. It's overproduced yeah. synthesizer, yeah. like cheesy yeah. synth rock. Yeah. But um, no, you know, and, and Olivia continued to chart and, and songs that really weren't country um, did really well in the country chart. Like uh, I Honestly Love You. Um, and uh, I mean, Please, Mr. Please was country. So, she, you know, she was having all of these hits. Um Please, Mr. Please, Have You Never Been Mellow? Um, and then the monster hit, which I guess for her, I mean, I, I not to discount Greece, but in terms of on the charts, her big 70s hit or biggest 70s hit was a song called I Honestly Love You, which was the only one that was not written by John Farrar. And that was uh, it was written by uh, Peter Allen and Jeff Barry. Um, that hit number one. It won the Grammy for Record of the Year. And she also won a pop vocal Grammy for it. Um, I don't know. Um, I hate it. I think it's it's like one of the songs of hers that I least want to listen to. Yeah, it's very, it's a little milk toast. It's, it's very, I, I will say, I will say I do have a special place in my heart for it, and I think it's used perfectly in my favorite movie of all time, maybe uh -huh. the greatest movie of all time. It's playing in the background in the scene in Jaws where Alex Kinkner gets. Uh, gets attacked by the shark. They're on the beach and it, because it's just such a calming song and it's just in the background, somebody has it on their radio and it's, it's basically like I the only song that. like that's in the movie, but it's, I honestly love you by, because people were bringing it up when she passed away that um, it's playing in the background and jaws just as part of the, you know, the, the noise of the beach. And then during this very sort of like low energy song, uh, Alex Kittner gets uh, eaten, eaten by a shark.
That's amazing. I never knew that. And I, I have seen Jaws so yeah. many times and I've never heard that. No, I've That's, seen I saw it, it, it this week. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's and it's kind of used perfectly because it's not like it's like soundtrack where it's like play. It's just like it's literally on somebody's radio at the beach. Yeah. You just sort of hear it in the background. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. I love yeah. that. Um, so after that, um, you know, she was riding on top for a couple of years and then for a, like two years after that, 76, 77, couldn't buy a hit, could not, um, you know, and she released some real dogs, but then she also released what I consider to be one of her best songs. And that's don't stop believing, um, you know, and, and like, she'd have like some minor, like top 20 hits, but you know, the only place that she was kind of really flourishing was the adult contemporary chart. And you know what that means? That means like, that means death, yeah. you know? That's 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 where you go when you're Karen Carpenter and, you know, nobody's buying your fucking saccharine shit anymore. And, you know, and and you're just you're you're gone. So what does she do? Well, she's having dinner at Helen Reddy's uh, one night like you do, um, mm -hmm. because the Aussies have to stick together. Um, and she meets none other than Alan Carr, uh, Alan Carr, who is was this. Uh, very chubby, very gay um, impresario of sorts, who was a producer. And uh, Alan is producing a film version of the Broadway musical Grease. And as Alan was wont to do, he looked across the table, saw Olivia and thought, that's my Sandy. Um, now, Alan would do this periodically with whoever it was that he saw, as long as they were a star. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure at one point he, you know, was probably like having dinner across from Isabel Sanford and thought, there's my Sandy, because <laughs> Wheaton Jefferson was, you know, he was just so charmed by her and probably offered her the role and she wisely declined. But uh, Olivia was very nervous about about doing it. At first, she said, no, I'm not an actress. I think she probably thought, oh, God, tomorrow. And I don't want to go back to that again. Um, and she only would agree to even discuss it if they allowed her to do a screen test, which she did. And she blew everybody away. Which, by uh, the way, is like. If one if one of your friends told you, hey, I was offered this leading part in a movie and I told them uh, only if I could do a screen test, like you would sit them down and be like, have you lost your fucking mind? Yeah. 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 And that exactly. is batshit crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, she wanted to make sure that she wasn't going to make a mistake. I mean, she was very, very careful about her career. And at the point at that time, I believe. She was being managed by a guy named Lee Kramer, um, who she was also in a relationship yeah. with. They were in a relationship for many years. Um, I don't know a whole lot about Lee. Um, and, and, and she yeah. she actually she had just come off of she was one of the first artists to sue her record label. She yeah. sued MCA for 10 million claiming that they weren't they, they were completely mismanaging her career. They weren't promoting her correctly. And um, uh, it's funny, I, I read the only interview I think she ever did for Rolling Stone, and uh -huh. it was um, three years. The, the guy who wrote it was talking up front about how it took him three years to get the interview published because wow. 
uh, she's so boring. He said she's so boring in person. Yeah, it was actually like not the nicest uh, intro to an article I've ever seen, but he said that she was so painfully boring that he he couldn't get Rolling Stone excited to to do a story on her. Yeah. And then um, the hitch dried up. So he kept pushing this interview and they were like, she's not even relevant anymore. Uh, she's a has-been. And then Grease comes out and now Rolling Stone's falling over themselves to to get of an course. Olivia Newton-John interview. And I read the whole thing and I got to say, it was, it was pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, sure. There was absolutely. I mean, she just didn't have any. I mean, you know, she didn't have any known scandal. I should say. Right. Uh, and, and by you, the way, speaking of of not boring and uh, Greece, Alan Carr, who you brought up. Yeah. Um, I actually covered him on my one of my other podcasts, The Dangerous Thing, uh, because we were doing awards, and I covered the 1989 Academy Awards, which was produced by Alan Carr. And brought an end to his career. And it's one of my favorite things to watch. The the yeah. 12 minute intro to the yeah. 1989 Academy Awards. You can watch it on YouTube, produced by Alan Carr, is is a fever dream. And it's it, it's one of my favorite things on the internet. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. You should really read uh the book about him called Party Animals. Okay. All right, Party Animals. It's pretty amazing. Um and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Alan Carr coming up soon because he sort of resurfaces, um, but in a, in a small way. But um, it's really interesting about that lawsuit because they were kind of they were blocking her from being able to record anywhere yeah. else. And had they not been able to uh, to um to work around that, she might not have been able to do Grease at all because Grease was not on MCA. It was on RSO Records, which is Robert Stigwood, um, you know, who at the time, you know, was they were it, it was the Bee Gees label and they did the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack and they had Andy Gibb and Yvonne Elliman. And, you know, it, there was like a period of like two years there where RSO Records just had hit after hit after hit after hit. Um, and then, of course, they had Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, which, you know, completely sunk them. <laughs> uh, so Olivia does Grease and, you know, it, everything changes. She has, you know, this is the biggest movie musical ever, uh, still is you know, 40 yeah. years later. Mm -hmm. um, and um, not only that, but it really, it reinvents um, her image. You know, she gets to come out. I mean, and they they rewrote the the, the role for her because they knew that she couldn't handle a, an American accent. So Sandy all of a sudden became an Australian exchange yeah. student. She was going to be Sandy Dombrowski originally. Yeah, Sandy Dombrowski, right in the in in the uh, in the show, um, and changed to Sandy Olson. Um, and should they literally know, should have just done a fuck you and just called her Sandy Paycheck, like <laughs> just to just to stick it to him, like P A Y C Y Z K or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I mean, I, we could talk forever about Greece, but everybody, you know, sort of knows, you know, that that Greece changed everything. Mm -hmm. And um, and it really changed Olivia's image. Um, you know, everybody remembers uh, Sandy's change into the bad girl and the spandex and the, the big perm and 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 what have you. And she was really able to 
parlayed that into her next release, which was an album that came out at the end of 78, while Greece was still huge on the chart. Uh, and that album was what we had talked about earlier was totally hot, um, which was another big album of that, uh, you know, another John Farrar. Um, and she had a huge hit on that called A Little More Love, which I want to say is probably my favorite Olivia Newton-John song of all time. Oh, which is interesting because, you know, besides the hits that everybody knows, yeah. the Grease hits and the I Honestly yeah. Love You and all that, uh, as I was research, you know, listening over this past week, that's the one that jumped out at me. It's got such a great groove. It's it, that's that was the one that jumped out where I was like, I never heard really. I don't think I was aware of the song. And it's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole album is to- great. Totally and, Hot is yeah. a great song, too. Yeah, it is. Totally. Even her cover of Give Me Some Lovin' is 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 pretty good. You know, um, that's on there as well. Um, and then Xanadu comes calling. What can we say about Do we Xanadu? just do a moment of silence right there? I think <laughs> do you do you know what I do you know what I read today? That I, I had no idea. That movie was so panned by critics and audiences alike, that movie is what uh, is the reason that there's Razzies. Yep. It was the, the, John, uh, I can't think of his last name. Uh, the guy who came up with the Razzies went to see a double feature of Xanadu and Can't Stop the Music. And he walked out of it and thought, I'm going to start a bad movies. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, so the reason why I say let's talk about Alan Carr is uh, initially Olivia was offered the lead role in Can't Stop the Music by Alan Carr, who was producing it. And she read the script and she turned it down to do Xanadu. Let that yeah. sink in. Yeah. Well, um, I guess now I think Dance Up the Music is a horrendous piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I love Xanadu. I mean, look, I, I, I will fully admit that Xanadu is not a good movie. However, it's my second all time favorite movie it, mm-hmm. because even though it's terrible, there's just something so joyous about it. You know, there's, it's got a lot of heart. It's it yeah. is not a good movie. That movie when that was another one of those movies that ran incessantly on HBO. Yeah. And when I was a little kid, there was something uh, creepy about that movie to me, like a little spooky. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was the soundtrack or uh, what, but I remember and then I watched parts of it recently as an adult. And I'm like, I have no idea what creeped me out about this. Huh? Chip, did you ever see it? You know, I've ne- I've never actually seen. I've seen clips of it, but I've never seen it in Saturday. But I do one hundred percent respect the not a great movie, but it's your favorite movie type thing. It's a uh, there was a uh, there was a little movie a few years afterwards about a wolf who oh, happened to be so a teen good. and he plays and basketball. I, I have I, I literally have. I'm going to pull it down right now. Uh, I actually had a, a double feature of Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf Teen 2. Wolf. Now, Teen Wolf 2 is a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, but Teen Teen Wolf, the original, uh, not a great movie, but one of my all-time favorites. Yes. Yeah. No roller skating uh, in that movie, though, unfortunately. No. You know, the thing, I, I don't, Xanadu, the weird thing was, was, and I guess they kind of did this back then, but I'm not aware of it, uh, you know, if they did or not. Um, the soundtrack for Xanadu came out two months before the movie came out. 
The soundtrack for Xanadu came out like around Memorial Day of 1980. And the, the soundtrack was a humongous hit, by the way. Massive Huge. hit. Yeah. So that was one of the ones, Kieran, when you when you first asked me, like, as a very young child, like magic was yeah. just that's that song's in my DNA. Yes. Like it was just always on when I was like a yeah. little kid. Yeah. And Magic was a huge hit. It went to number one. Um, it was, I think, Olivia's third number one single, um, or maybe fourth. Um, and, you know, the whole summer, people had been building up to this movie that was supposed to come out. I remember that I was, was very little. I mean, not that little, but, you know, like, like maybe I want to say seven, eight, something like that. Um, and I was staying with my aunt and uncle in New Jersey. And uh, for the summer, because I got shipped off, um, my my parents and I used to take separate vacations from each other because we, we, just, we did a bit of um, I would just be like, well, where do you want to go this year? I think I will summer in New Jersey and the two of you can go and do little staycations around Florida. Um, and I would plan it. I would fly by myself. It would be fabulous. I would dress up on the plane and all that kind of stuff. Anyway. So you're like the um, opposite of home alone. I love it. I really, <laughs> did, did you ever see that quote? You know, uh, you know, teen mom. Did you ever see uh, that yeah. quote from Farrah Abraham? Yeah. It's, it's maybe the greatest thing I've ever seen on the Internet. But it was basically like somebody was asking her about her three year old daughter. And uh -huh. she she said something like. Yeah, I don't know. We're we're just spending some time apart now. She's into her thing. I'm into my thing. I'm just trying to let her live her life. <laughs> the fucking three-year-old. You just need to put that quote up after anybody is happy about Roe v. Wade. Do you know what I mean? Be like, look at what I, look what happens. Absolutely. So um, anyway, I'm I'm in New Jersey for the summer and um, it's getting to be August and I'm getting homesick and I'm thinking, man, I kind of want to go home early. And my cousins uh, who were adults uh, said, oh, you know, we were going to take you into New York and take you to see Xanadu because we know you've been dying to see it. And I'm like, no, 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 it's OK. I want to go home. I want to see my friends. I'll just see it when I get home. And I, I lived in this little podunk town in Florida. And I get home and it's the day before Xanadu is going to open and I'm all ready to go see Xanadu and it doesn't open. Uh, Not for two weeks. So at this point, I am just, you know, the, the queendom is just like heightened. I am just, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm like looking for my Xanadu fix. Um, a friend of mine uh, and I are going to go see it on a Saturday matinee and his mother is in charge of driving us and she's late and we get there and it's sold out. Oh, I never threw seen this movie. biggest hiss fit and, <laughs> and said, we are not leaving. We are staying until the next show. We are buying tickets right now and we are going to wait until the next screening. And that's just how it is. And that's what we did. And I was in love and you could not convince me that it was not like the best movie ever made, not for at least a couple of years. Um, and yeah, you know, it, 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 it has, it, it has transcended the, the horrible, awful and deserved reviews. I totally get it. You know, that it got back then and people do, they embrace it just for what it is. And a big part of that is Olivia. Yeah. 
because she's just she's just so ethereal in the movie and you want to love her. And of course, Gene Kelly, you know, definitely Michael Beck doesn't do shit. He's horrendous in it. And he's like a fucking block of wood. <laughs> and um, he deserved no career after that. Um, and that's pretty much what he got. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I, I can't explain it other than it just makes you feel good. Yeah. And uh, and there has definitely been a cult that has grown up around it and around the music. And I love that, you know, 42 years later, people love this movie and they don't love it ironically. You right. Know? They, they just, they love it. Um, so Xanadu, uh, comes out. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned is all this time, Olivia has been doing ABC TV specials. Um, the big one that came out right before Xanadu was called Hollywood Nights with her special guests, Gene Kelly, Ted Knight, Tina Turner, you know, Tina Turner, who was on everything, still trying to pay mm. off that, that, that gas card bill from when I shoved her out of the limo. Um, so she was <laughs> everything, uh, variety shows to, to this. Um, but they also shared a manager, Tina and, and Olivia at the time. Um, and a lot of the times uh, they would be offered each other's songs um, and uh, one would decide to record one. This happened a little bit later after Tina you know, had her comeback where mm -hmm. uh, Terry Britton would, I think it was Terry Britton, but don't quote me on that. Um, they would, they would be offered songs and one person would say no. And the other person would say yes and have a hit with it and, and vice versa. Um, but then came, then came physical. Um, although actually we should probably talk about her husband, Matt, who she met on the set of Xanadu. Right. Matt, a young Gene Kelly. Um, plus he was also an extra and was a dancer and Olivia laid eyes on him across the set one day, pointed to him, said, I will have that brought to my dressing room. And they dated for four years and then got married in 1984, uh, were married for 10, 11 years uh, before they were divorced. Uh, and they had their daughter, Chloe, in 1986. Uh, and he was about what, about 10 years younger than she was? Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Somewhere around that, like maybe nine or 10 years younger. Um, and uh, it uh, turned a lot of heads and, uh, you know, they made a gorgeous couple though. You know, I mean, Olivia was in her early thirties. She was beautiful, still, you know, absolutely gorgeous. And I don't think Olivia ever, you know, got uh, to a point where she wasn't, you know, still gorgeous, even in her seventies, although some of the plastic surgery, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, so, then came physical, which became this monster hit, was the biggest hit of the 1980s. Um, at that point, had spent the longest number of weeks at number one um, until, you know, SoundScan changed everything and the charts all changed. Ten weeks at number one. Um, and, you know, she started having this career where she was able to kind of change from the seventies to the eighties, you know, greased it a little bit with, with the image, but now like her music was being banned. Yeah. America sweet music was being was banned, banned on radio. Stations. Banned in Utah. Cause yeah. the, the song, the song is about uh, the whole song's about sex. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I read that um, 
that video, that goofy ass video yeah. was actually thrown together at the last minute because whatever I, – I think she felt the song was too racy mm-hmm. and she was scared of uh, – like she couldn't commit 100% to being this like – you know, fully sexualized lady, and that, and it was her idea to make it a goofy aerobics video in, instead of about sex. Yeah, it totally makes sense, though. But I mean, I can't think of another singer, at least a female singer, before this who ever had their music banned for no. you know sexual content. I mean, of course, we were a couple of years away from Madonna, Madonna. and even Prince at that time had not. You know, I mean, had not really like had the success to where people were even playing him on the radio. Right. So, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Olivia was, you know, kind of a groundbreaker, even though she didn't really mean to to, I think, have that happen. Um, And um, she also broke some ground in that she was one of the first artists to ever do a full video album. Yeah. Yeah. She did a video for every song on the album. Looks like shot on the same day. Yeah. Uh, she's in the same aerobics outfit uh, for every one of the songs. You know, it's the same set, same band. Everything's the same. But yeah. um, it is crazy. It's like I never paid attention to the song physical. I it's I just know it's an earworm, and once you get it in yeah. your head, it's tough to get out. But when I read the lyrics, um, it was so ahead of its time as far as a woman being like, yeah. "Hey, I want to get laid, and I'm tired of, I'm tired of having to like wine and dine you. Just take me back and fuck me already." And uh, like now that would be, you know, celebrate like, you know, like we went from that to to WAP, you know, and uh, (laughs) yeah, but she was she was one of the first ones as a woman to be like, hey, uh, let's stop playing games, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when you think about it, Olivia did that, you know, I mean, it's it's not the it's not the person that you would have, you know, pointed to. and uh, yeah, I mean, and it really it it changed a lot of things again for her, but it was the beginning of the end yeah. because that's a peak that you hit and it's very hard to sustain. And at that point, you know, she's in her mid 30s and then uh, and then she's, you know, still doing movies. Um, she has a couple more hits. I want to say that I was never a big fan of physical. The song, I think the better song was her follow up single, which was Make a Move on Me and mm-hmm. John for our song um, that, you know, has that kind of 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 groove that you Chip were talking about with um, a little more love. Um, you know, has a, a more complicated sound and and landslide also, which was the third single, which didn't do anything. Um, you know, but uh, anyway, so she had a couple more hits after that, Heart Attack, and then she released her third movie, which was her reunion with uh, John Travolta, a movie called Two of a Kind, which the less said about, the better. Yeah, um, it bombed. Horrible, I don't, I don't bombed. even I don't even remember it. Um, I remember it being at the video store and it was always available. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And for good reason. And, and it kind of put the, the, it, it kind of put to rest 
can Olivia act? Can she not? Yeah. Because, you know, with Greece, she wasn't asked to do a whole lot and her charisma really kind of carried it. Um, Xanadu, there was no way to tell whether anybody was was good in that or not, except for Michael Beck, who was terrible. Um, And, you know, and this um, just, you know, both she and Travolta were just probably I think Travolta probably had a few worse movies than this. Um, But, yeah, it's like all of a sudden it it wasn't going to happen for Olivia. The, 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 The acting was was just it. And this was at a point where she's 35 years old and, you know, she's starting to seem over the hill. Uh, in terms of of a, a, a pop star career, um, and unfortunately, you know, this would have been the place where she should have transitioned, maybe full time to acting, but it wasn't going to happen because Two of a Kind was such a huge flop, um, and people could see that she wasn't the actress that they had kind of hoped she might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but Two of a Kind uh, was a huge hit soundtrack. She had another, you know, full length video album. Um, and then she did an album called Soul Kiss, um, which spawned a, a hit, sort of a hit in the title track, went to number 20. It was another thing where, uh, you know, she tried to do the sexy image. Um, she had just gotten pregnant with Chloe at that point. Um, and you know, you know that they're getting older when the hair gets bigger. Yes. And yeah. on full kiss, you know, I mean, the hair was, I mean, it was like, you remember that old cartoon? I don't know if you've heard of it. The hair bear bunch, the hair bear bunch. Sure. Yeah. 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 That, that's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, it was enormous. Um, so she takes a little bit of time off. She has Chloe, um, and then she's she's hitting 40. What am I going to do? What's you know, where where are the cross? You know, I'm, I'm sort of at the crossroads and she releases an album. It's her first thing where she's just like, goodbye, John Farrar. And she's working with Elton John and she releases this album called The Rumor in 1988. And it is a complete flop. Um, no hits. Uh, good reviews. I actually thought it was a really good album and was surprised that it didn't do better than it did. But nobody wanted to hear from a 40-year-old Libby Newton-John. Um, and it sort of seemed like the career was over. And uh, she was able to transition into TV movies, her first of which was A Mom for Christmas, uh, where she played a department store mannequin who comes alive during the Christmas season to be a mom for a recently um, motherless little girl and, uh, and his, and her widowed father. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, so you're saying the age old story (laughs) back, back in the eighties, there was um, people thought mannequins coming to life was going to be like a fad for movies. Yeah. Mannequin, mannequin Two, the electric grandmother. Yeah. They were all, yeah, things were things were coming to light. Uh, today's special. Yeah. Oh, a, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so but Olivia, if you look at her acting career, like, OK, I, this is terrible. I don't know even know the exact premise of Xanadu, but it's like futuristic, spacey kind of. Uh, is that she? No, she's like a she's like a Greek god for something. They should like, like a, it, yeah, they should have called yeah. it Xanadon't. Yeah, yeah. um, (laughs) she's like she's like a Greek goddess and uh, she helps 
Gene Kelly get his roller rink together? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So just look at her roles. You have Xanadu, which is just, you know, bonkers. Okay. Tomorrow. And then now she's becoming a mannequin. Like, it's just the, you know, the, it's, you you get grease in there to sort of, uh, it's hard a little bit, but it's hard to believe she wasn't on cocaine. (laughs) <laughs> like with, right. with the way she's picking yeah. these movies, it's hard to believe that she was not just, uh, you know, up yes. 22 hours a day. Absolutely. Right. And then after, I mean, she had roles after uh, a mom for Christmas, but her next, I guess, like biggest high profile role was playing a lesbian country music singer in the movie Sorted Lives. So um, kind of all came around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, so, um, you know, she decides that she's going to do another Greatest Hits album in 1992, and she records some new songs for that, and she's planning a comeback tour, and then she finds out she's got breast cancer. So the tour is canceled, and the album is released, but she's not able to really do any promotion. Yeah, and that kind of changes everything. Um, She, you know, she doesn't know, you know, how long she's got, what's going to happen. So she sort of decides I'm going to start writing my own material now and I'm going to record what I want to record and I'm going to talk about the things that I want to talk about. And, you know, she goes off on this whole like Earth Mother, you know, Gaia kind of thing. And, and, you know, and I don't want to make fun of it because, you know, I understand where it's come from, but fucking hell, it is the worst music <laughs> in not, the world, people. I, I tried. You, I, I know you told us to listen at our own risk, and I, I yeah. listened to some of it, and it's uh, it's yeah. not, wasn't my thing. Yeah, no, not at all. And, and I, I love her for, you know, for trying and everything, but there are some people who, you know what, your, your voice is your gift, you can interpret other people's songs. And that's what I think was, was the great thing about Olivia was she did have this very deceptively beautiful voice. People have always sort of said, Oh, you know, she was kind of a weak singer. No, she didn't. She, she was not a belter. She did not, you know, she was not Aretha Franklin, but she had a beautiful three and a half octave range and, you know, and, and one of the probably one of the best voices, female voices ever in pop music, one of the most pure and clear voices. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and it lasted for quite a while, especially when you consider, you know, she had breast cancer. She was in remission. It came back. It came Three back times. Twice. Yeah. 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 You know, and and, you know, and both times it came back, it was stage four. You know, and oh, wow. um, I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, it, and it went into her spine and, you know, and into her bones. And I mean, she, God bless her. I mean, she lasted a lot longer yeah. than, you know, than, than I, than she really should have. I mean, for, mm-hmm. for being sick, but, you know, many, you know, for, for the last few years of her life, she was very dedicated to putting together wellness centers and, um, and cancer centers, you know, in, in Australia. And she was very much someone who looked at holistic healing, but she was not, she wasn't nutty about it. She wasn't, she didn't want to eschew, you know, the, the normal, 
um, or I guess the standard kind of care of chemotherapy and, and radiation. And, you know, as someone who has gone through cancer and chemo myself, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, she was somebody like, look, this worked for me, but I think that you should find your own path. And if you're interested in this, it's here. And we might recommend that yeah. you do, you know, the, the standard kind of care. Whereas you've got the fucking nut job daughter of hers who's out there, you know, being an anti-vaxxer asshole. Um, <laughs> oh, really? I didn't oh, know God. That. Yeah. Chloe yeah. is just, you know, I oh. mean, if... if I don't know. Sometimes it's just, you, you just, you just have a demon seed. And I just, yes. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I just can't, I just can't buy the fact that Olivia was such a, a lovely, wonderful person, but was a bad mother. So I'm just mm -hmm. going to chalk it up to, to the Latanzi side of, of the, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to blame Matt who look, I'm just going to say it. Everybody thought he was gay. I still can't understand how he wasn't gay, but he's, you know, he's been married again. He was cheating on her with the nanny who was a woman. Um, you know, I don't get it, but okay. You know, I wasn't there, so I don't know, but it's, it's just, everybody kind of thought it was a marriage of convenience. Um, there were a lot of lesbian rumors that went on about Olivia, um, which were very strange. I don't, you know, I don't know anything about that. I know the whole Johnny Carson. I'm sure that you guys read about that. No. Uh, and if I'll tell the story. Okay. So Olivia was dogged by lesbian rumors since the seventies. Um, and the origin of them was, was she did an early appearance on the tonight show. I mean, early in her career where um, Johnny asked her if she had more boyfriends than girlfriends and being Australian, that was the way that you kind of referred to your, your female friends as girlfriends. And she said, Oh, you know, it's, it's probably uh, uh, about uh, 50, 50, and maybe I have a few more girlfriends and, yeah. you know, the audience laughed about it and it was this big thing and that, and then it somehow went from, because she talked about, she was very good friends with Karen Carpenter and that sort of snowballed. And for many years, people thought that she and Karen were lesbian lovers. Um, and again, I want to say that I, you know, I'm not prefacing it with any kind of, you know, proof, yes or no. Right. You know, I, I, think I, tend it, I think if there's one thing we know about Karen Carpenter and she didn't eat anything. I thought, I hope one of them says it. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, before, because we, we have to wrap up soon, yeah. but one, no, thing, we, totally one thing we definitely wanted to cover was the boyfriend who may or yes. may not have faked his own death. Yeah. Um, I don't think he did, by the way. I don't think I, so I, either. I think the fellow I, I, slipped off the boat and drowned. Well, I, guys, I have a special guest joining Zoom right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that have been something? Oh man, we should have just had somebody come in and, and just and, sitting here waiting. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I don't, I, I, I read up on it. I mean, I remember when it happened. Um, but, um, all of the claims sound really specious at best. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't buy it. I, I, I think the guy is worm food or, uh, yeah. or, um, food. So for, um, for the listeners, uh, she had a boyfriend who was in debt, and owed back child support. And um, he he chartered himself on an overnight fishing boat, which he often did alone. 
and um, the fishing crew, I guess, didn't do a head count when when everybody got off the boat at the end of the trip. And they noticed at some point that this dude's ship was still on the boat. His car was still in the parking lot. And uh, they assume that he fell off the boat somehow and got lost at sea. And uh, that seemed like everybody bought it for a while. But then these rumors started popping up that he had faked his own death. And there there were sightings of him in Mexico. Um I think the FBI even set up a website that was like, have you seen this guy? And they were able to track where all the hits came in because they thought if he was alive, he would be checking the website to see what people knew. So they set it up like just as a trap to to try and find him. And several um, uh, tabloids. Would would claim we have we're gonna we have proof that he is alive and we're gonna publish it, but then they never publish it. There was a picture taken of a guy that looked like him, but then somebody came forward and was like, "No, that's actually me." Bigfoot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was actually somebody I saw in a department store. They saw a mannequin that looked like him that maybe turned back in back into it. The, the way till Christmas. But here's the fucked thing: is is they said that he had faked his own death because he owed back child support. It was something in the neighborhood of like four thousand dollars. Yeah. You don't fake your death for it costs more than four thousand yes. dollars to fake your death for Christ's sakes. Yes. And you're you're dating Olivia. Couldn't you just be like, hey, ONJ, could you spot yeah. me four big, yeah. four large? Exactly. Yeah. But also, exactly. like, you got to be like, I'm willing to never talk or see my kid again. Yeah. To get out of four thousand dollars, it seems. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. It's now, I would fake my own death to never have to see Chloe again <laughs> if I was going to be named John, but you know, that's just me. Um, I just want to say one more like fucked up thing and then we can go is in 2005, Olivia and Chloe participated in a very short lived MTV reality game show called Rock the Cradle. Do you guys know about this? No. no. Oh, I'm excited. I knew, I knew a lot of those, too. That's yeah, that's. Wow. Oh, my God. That's so exciting that you don't know about it. OK, I'm surprised so, Chip didn't write for it. I, I'm, yeah, I'm I know, right? Six has been music stars. Eddie Money, Bobby Brown, MC Hammer, Kenny Loggins, Joe Walsh, and Olivia Newton-John, and their offspring um, participated on this reality TV game show. It was kind of like American Idol. I do vaguely remember this now. Just the kids participated, Mm -hmm. and the parents were in the audience for every episode. Olivia did not make every episode. Let me just say that. Okay. Um, I want to say Chloe made it to the finals, but um, Kenny Loggins' son uh, was the one who won. Anyway, when they were doing backstory shit, they also brought in Matt Latanzi, who at the time was living in a teepee on Olivia's property. They had been divorced <laughs> for many years. So, so that's yes, a- I, I want to reiterate that that's where the crazy came from. Yeah. Yeah. Side of, of the, of the, um, you know, so oh anyway, um, and now, um, Chloe, John, uh, Olivia's, uh, widow, uh, widower, excuse me. And, um, Matt Latanzi 
own and operate together a cannabis farm in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. As you so, do. You know, I, 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 as much as I love her, I think Olivia is, is well out of it. You know, yes. I, I, how do you stay sane in that much crazy? No, no, I think yeah. you have to, you have to move on from yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. But um, guys, thank you so much for uh, for being on my show. Um, <laughs> Th thanks so much for having thanks us. Thanks for having Karen. us. We really appreciate it. And um, by the way, um, uh, you know, f follow uh, the show at Rock and Roll Pod. Follow uh, at Chip Chantry. Follow at Ken Krantz. But um, also follow uh, your uh, Twitter handle. Uh, Kieran is uh, at Joe Bryant Doc. At oh, Joe Bryant and, Doc. And, and we need to talk about Joe Bryant Doc because it's on a new platform, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's on Peacock TV and you can be a cheapskate and not have to pay for Peacock because they have a free platform mm -hmm. and the movie is on there. So if you haven't had a chance to see it and you do want to see it, you should go to Peacock and check it out and, uh, and I, then come back and listen to the two episodes on Isle of Rock and Roll. Yeah, that talk. Joe Bryant. And I want to say that since I saw you make the announcement that it went up on Peacock, people yeah. have been searching for podcasts about him because our numbers on those two episodes shot way the fuck up. That's yeah. right. Right. When you made that announcement. It is. And I'm still going to say this. Like I, I'm a doc fan. I'm a music fan. Obviously I've watched a lot of docs over the year. It, and I'm not saying this just because you had me on your podcast tonight, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it is seriously. And I, and I, th I think I'm speaking for Ken too. It's one of my favorite music documentaries I've ever seen. It's, yeah. it, it's such an interesting story. Even if you don't, you're like, Oh, I don't know this band. I don't know this artist too much. Why would I like this? Nobody really knew who he was. I mean, nobody yeah. there, you know, there's, yeah, no, 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 you're right. It's, yeah. you know, it's it, still it was my a different favorite. era and uh, it's just such a great doc. It's, it's, it's really great. So make sure you check out Joe Bryant AD on, on, on Peacock. Is it, is it still on Amazon? You can get it on Amazon. Other, or, oh yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. get it all over the place, it's, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, still, and I get paid whether you watch it or not. So, you know, don't feel like, Oh my God, if I don't, if I don't, if I watch it on a free platform, he doesn't get any money. I get money. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's still my favorite story that we've covered. Oh yeah. Well, uh, since, yeah, by far. Since, yeah. since we it's, started it. And, yeah, um, let me, uh, let me end with this. If, um, if you're like me and chip and you're a straight dude and you're wondering like, Am I going to like any Olivia Newton-John music? What I found was um, Eric Harrison, who's who's been a guest on here before and does our theme song. He sent me a link to a Juliana Hatfield album uh, yeah. from uh, the, the alternative rock uh, uh, artist from the 90s. She does a whole album of Olivia Newton-John songs. I tried listening to some Olivia Newton-John songs. And I couldn't get past the 80s overproduction and the synths. She, uh, Juliana Hatfield takes these same songs. She doesn't fuck with the melodies at all, but she strips them down and just has a rock band behind her. And I kept reading like, oh, physical was Olivia's rock song. And you listen to it. You're like, that's not rock. But when you listen to it without the synths. Uh, you're like, holy shit, that's that's a rock song. And it's actually a pretty good rock song. It's a, it's a great album. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if I can just plug two yep. more Olivia covers that I think people will like. Um, back in the 90s, there was uh, a band called Pet. And they did a cover of Have You Never Been Mellow that needs to be heard. It is amazing. And also Martha Wainwright, who is a wonderful mm -hmm. singer, sister of, of Rufus Wainwright, 
covered magic on uh, for an HBO miniseries, which of I uh, can't remember the name. Frances McDormand starred in it, um, and I think the only place you'll be able to f- to be able to hear that is on YouTube because it was never commercially released. But amazing, 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 amazing. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, I had a great time and uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with. Oh, I mean, what I come up with next. What you come up with next. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're at the the steering. You're in the driver's seat right now. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Thanks, everybody.